This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Kira Revan, and this, this is the Sunday 7. Welcome to 2024's first episode of The Sunday 7, the Signal Award-winning podcast that looks at the biggest stories in sciences and technology each week. This week, we're looking at the psychology of New Year's resolutions. We hear about a crypto CEO who mightn't exist, discover the chaotic energy of Arctic fevers, and get good news on future antibiotics. But first, on this day in 1610, Galileo made the first magnified observations of the moon using his 20-powered spyglass. It enabled him to see the surface of the moon for the first time and he observed that the surface was in fact rough and unequal, an observation borne out by subsequent exploration. We're facing a new year full of new challenges and for as long as we've celebrated New Year, we've also set ourselves new goals, vowing that this year our New Year's resolutions will definitely change our lives for good. In fact, it's a tradition that goes back to Babylonian and Roman times, but much like dieting, studies show that most attempts fail. So on this week's Sunday 7, we're doing a bit of a deep dive into the history and science of New Year's resolutions and seeing if we can help you figure out a way to beat the odds and make a positive change in 2024. Historian and professor of theology at the University of Birmingham, Candida Moss, says it's a long tradition. Even if we go very far back in history, we can find people trying to kind of orchestrate a fresh start at the New Year's through resolutions. And that's really important for how we think about New Year's as a kind of taking stock and starting again. These are primarily about making the gods happy. And that's really what New Year's is about. It's a kind of supernatural spring cleaning. So how can we apply modern psychology and mindfulness to help beat the odds and change our habits for the better? The nation's favourite fitness coach, Joe Wicks, says the key to it is to make small changes. People often want like a quick fix, right? You know, a shake or a pill or something that's just going to be like two weeks and you're done. But the truth is it's really hard work getting in shape and it takes commitment and effort and dedication. It was hard work last year and whatever you want to do this year is also going to be challenging. So rather than think about this big, unattainable, like unrealistic goal, think about just small daily wins. You know, can you do something positive today? Could it be cooking, you know, cooking for 15 minutes or you know doing a quick 50 minute home workout or even going for a walk on your lunch break chatting to someone you haven't spoke to and connecting you know these things make us feel good Dr. Dion Metzger is a professor of psychiatry at Emory University and she explains how you can actually achieve your resolutions in 2024. It's easier for the brain to be able to change one habit at a time rather than trying to take on two or three. So just take it, breaking it down to one per like during the time, it really makes a big difference. With making goals, sometimes we try to go from zero to 100. Like we go from not from walking to doing a marathon too quickly. So if you're not somebody who's active, but you want to become more active in 2024, I would suggest, okay, Let's set one to two days of being physically active instead of saying, OK, I'm going to work out Monday through Friday. So you're kind of setting yourself up to fail when you set those goals a little bit too high. Mm. So every time I'm talking to my patients, I always recommend let's do the let's separate these goals into small bites that we can actually do. Six. 
We're starting off 2024 in a world of tech with two pretty dramatic stories. The first is about a lawsuit that could undermine or at the very least seriously slow down AI's relentless charge into our lives. And the second is about a crypto CEO who doesn't seem to exist. There's only one man we can turn to when stories like this arise, and that's the Smart 7 resident tech guru, Will Guyot. So, Will, tell us, what has the New York Times done to open AI? The only tech prediction for 2024 I'm totally sure about is that this is the year the legal world finally catches up with artificial intelligence. The advancements have been so rapid that it's time for some legal precedents to be established. Could Paul McCartney have the feel-good reggae hit of the summer without being remotely involved in it, even though it sounds like him? And bigger than that, should companies like OpenAI, who make chat GBT, continue to build their products and ultimately grow their net worth on the work of others? In short, this New York Times lawsuit will be the first of many as the starting gun's now been fired. Does the case have any merit? Is it going to derail OpenAI or do they just need to open their checkbooks? It does appear that these suggestions have some merit. It's just whether that sticks legally. So the New York Times is claiming its copyrighted content is being used disproportionately by OpenAI. The suggestion is that their work has been hoovered up by these large language models that have been trained by OpenAI. And the results appear to prove that results and findings from the New York Times are featuring favorably in the responses that are being generated by ChatGPT. Now, some publishers like Germany's Act or Springer, who own all sorts of media brands around the world, have signed deals with OpenAI to use their content, but many are still weighing up their options before doing a deal. But you're definitely going to see OpenAI paying for more of the material that they are using, so therefore they're definitely going to get their checkbook out this year. The New York Times says they want damages, restitution and costs, and they want OpenAI's large language models, which have been trained on its copyrighted work, to be destroyed, and the latter would certainly slow down the company's breakneck progress. And what about the broader implications of copyright for intellectual property? Well, if you remember the old ad slogan, where there's a blame, there's a claim, it's hard to argue that many of the creators of AI products have deliberately ignored these potential legal implications until this point. So this year, we'll see hundreds, maybe thousands of claims like this coming forward. And it seems that people's work should be protected from ripped wholesale development of artificial intelligence. Okay, so now our second story involves crypto, which can seem shady at the best of times, but this one reaches a whole new level. Who is Stephen Reese Lewis? So imagine you've got some cash and you're thinking of investing into cryptocurrencies. It's a new area and all this press shows you that people can take advantage of you. So why not go to a fund that's being led by a calm, recognised leader with a great list of qualifications and achievements? Well, surely that's a good bet, right? Well, Stephen Reese Lewis caught attention as the chief executive of Hyperverse and was front and centre of its global online launch in December 2021. He even got video messages of support from the Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak and randomly the actor and meme of old Chuck Norris, whose videos were shared on his Twitter account and told people they were looking forward to Hyperverse launching. If you fast forward to today, the US blockchain analyst Chainalysis reckoned that $1.3 billion worth of investments were lost in Hyperverse in 2022. And guess what? It looks like this glittering chief exec doesn't even exist. All we have is a short typo-ridden response to some questions from The Guardian, which claims that people on the internet continues to make things up. And does it look like the whole thing was a scam, or is it just a mistaken identity? 
There's no information for Stephen on the UK or US company records databases. Adobe say they never purchased his web development company. And both the University of Leeds and the University of Cambridge say they've never had someone of that name enrolled. And his time at Goldman Sachs must have been forgettable too, as they don't remember him either. It's hard to say what we should learn from this, but next time you're looking to invest in a new crypto money spinner, it might be worth seeing whether the boss actually exists. Still to come on the Sunday 7, new hope for treatment of superbugs and how so many people escape the Japanese plane crash. One of the most significant threats facing human health is the rise of antibiotic-resistant infections. What's known as antimicrobial resistance led to almost 5 million deaths in 2019. According to the United Nations, and finding a solution is listed as one of the World Health Organization's top priorities. The so-called gram-negative bacteria are protected by inner and outer membranes, which make it harder for antibiotics to have any impact on the bugs. One of the treatments being tried is something called phage therapy. That's the use of specific viruses to target and kill bacterial infections that are antibiotic resistant. Epidemiologist Stefan Stratti is the founder of the Centre for Innovative Phage Applications and Therapeutics, or IPAT, and she's been researching alternative treatments when antibiotics fail. Her interest in the field was sparked when her husband Tom contracted an antibiotic-resistant infection that nearly killed him, until phage therapy offered a life-saving option. She says it's an area that has huge potential, as she spoke to CNN's Dr Sanjay Gupta. We've had over 1,700 requests for phage therapy since we opened our doors. You know, it came so well together for Tom that I really thought we could do this every single time, but that was naive. You know, if we had a phage library that had, you know, been stocked with phages that will kill the majority of bacteria that are affecting human health, we can source phage within a day or two and have it ready. This whole idea of being able to use phage in conjunction with antibiotics is a game changer in the field, even on its own. There have been some promising signs in terms of new antibiotics, including one called Sos urabalpin, which targets a group of bacteria known as crab. That accounts for about 20% of infections in intensive care units worldwide. The new antibiotic is the first in its class for 50 years, and it's currently in phase one clinical trials. But antibiotics alone may not be the most effective way to treat these persistent infections. Graham Hatful is a professor of microbial sciences at the University of Pittsburgh, and he's an advocate for combining phage therapy with antibiotics antibiotics as a more effective way of tackling these superbugs. He's got a team of volunteers who collect samples to discover new phages or viruses which can be put to good use in the battle against antimicrobial resistance. We've collected and written up and reported a set of 20 cases. 11 out of the 20 we could determine favourable clinical or microbiological outcomes. The patients got better in various different ways and so even though that's not a magic bullet Um, That's 11 patients who were out of other options. We clearly think that investigating, discovering, characterizing phages is a global rather than a local problem. Ultimately, the goal would be to have such a deep understanding of those phage genome sequences and the bacterial sequences that you could simply use AI to predict which phages you're going to use for which particular infection.
Japan has had a tough start to 2024. New Year's Day saw an earthquake in the Sea of Japan that caused destruction across the remote Noto Peninsula and shockwaves that were felt over 200 miles away in Tokyo. Rescuers scrambled to clear rubble and finding survivors and the Japanese Coast Guard was amongst those shipping aid to the affected region. However, that led to a tragedy at Tokyo's Haneda Airport as a fully loaded Coast Guard plane collided with an incoming Japanese Airlines jet with almost 400 passengers on board. Five of the six Coast Guard crew were killed and the JAL jet burst into flames on the runway but incredibly all 379 passengers walked away safely. Julian Bray is an international aviation safety expert and he explains how technology and training helped to save so many lives. We can see the A350, uh, there are flames all along the fuselage, that's the hull, but the people inside the plane were still uh, protected from the flames themselves because they're inside a pressurized cabin. So the point is that uh, the air pressure there is slightly higher than the air pressure outside. So the technical point being that the, uh, the fire couldn't get in. It's only when the barrier melts down that the fire gets in, by which time we hope the plane has landed and they can get everybody off. Really, there's no hard and fast rule as to where it is best to sit because the point is that uh, uh, all parts of the plane need to be safe. With modern technology, modern aircraft, modern materials, you find that is no longer um, a real consideration. The thing that does come in is getting off the aircraft and you must train yourself not to stop to open the uh, luggage bin to bring out your suitcase and and your briefcase and your papers and everything else. Just make sure you got your shoes on and go. Still to come on the Sunday 7, bad news on the climate front. Beavers cause mischief in the Arctic and good news for cat fans in Singapore. Right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. Twenty twenty three was the UK's second hottest year on record, according to a report this week from the UK Met Office. Scientists say that the temperatures reached could have only happened once in five hundred years if it weren't for the effect of climate change and global warming. June and September also set records as the hottest months since eighteen eighty four. It's not just warming either, there's also been a rise in sea levels and more intense rainfall, which pose risks to lives and livelihoods in the UK, according to experts. Channel four spoke to the Met Office's Professor Richard Betts. He's the head of climate impacts research and he says the picture is not good. There's a good chance uh, that the global average temperature could exceed 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial. Our central estimate is actually slightly below that, but there was always a margin for error. So there is a good chance we can go over that uh, that level for one year. 
Of course, that doesn't mean we'll have actually breached the Paris Agreement, the international agreement, which aims to limit warming to uh, as close to 1.5 degrees as possible in the long term. We won't have exceeded that in the long term, but one year is still a very significant milestone, and it reminds us of the, what we're doing to the world's climate. So we need to reduce emissions even more rapidly than we are uh, both in this country and, and around the world. So uh, that involves uh, phasing out fossil fuels. Uh, fossil fuel burning is one of the main causes of buildup of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Also deforestation is other causes as well. We need to really urgently reduce emissions. So we need to find other sources of energy, for example. Sky News hosted a climate debate this week with Just Stop Oil co-founder Zoe Cohen, who says it's time that climate deniers accepted the reality of what is happening to the planet. If I drop this glass, which I'm not going to do because I'm non-violent and I don't like breaking things, if I drop this, it will break. That's gravity, isn't it? Like, (laughs) denying that putting more carbon in the atmosphere causes global heating is absolutely insane. We know that. We've known it for 150 years. It's unequivocal. We know that the people in power know full well that what they are doing will drive mass death, and yet they are still doing it. And that, under the Rome Statute, international criminal criminal law is genocide by oblique intent. We know that. It's been known for years. In the UK, beavers have been reintroduced to the environment as part of a programme of rewilding and to play a role in creating natural flood defences. They were hunted to extinction in the UK, but are now back and potentially playing an important role in the UK's ecosystem. However, in Alaska, beavers are doing the opposite, causing environmental chaos as global warming sees them move south of the Arctic. Beaver engineering is literally changing the landscape of the Arctic as they build dams and create pools which reshape the flow of water through the area, so much so that they're handiwork can be seen on satellite. The biggest issue is that the creation of these ponds actually ends up releasing more methane into the atmosphere as vegetation decays. Research professor at the University of Alaska Fairbanks Geophysical Institute, Ken Tape, says their impact is significant. Sort of light bulb moment for me was when I realized that we could actually detect beavers moving into and out of the Arctic by watching the formation and disappearance of beaver ponds in satellite imagery through time. And that was just exciting because all of a sudden we had a way to like track this wildlife movement. The most surprising thing we've learned is the scale of the change. If you look down the road 20 years or 50 years, what the Arctic looks like in a given place is going to depend in a lot of ways on whether or not beavers have got there. So there are all these other changes taking place, but you know, uh, a stream as wide as my office that just kind of winds its way through the tundra is a much different place than sort of a sprawling wetland that has all these beaver dams. There was good news for cat lovers in Singapore this week. For more than three decades, the Singapore government has banned cats as pets in apartments that are part of public housing. If you're caught with a cat, you could be fined around 3000 US dollars and have your cat evicted from the flat. Shamir Osman is a cat fan and apartment dweller, so he's pretty relieved his feline friend is no longer breaking the law. We were being responsible owners in the sense that we made sure that um, the girls didn't go outside, whether to urinate or defecate on, on our neighbours' homes or 
or their plants or one of those or whatever that. The rule was implemented because authorities say cats are difficult to control and also noisy, which could cause offence to neighbours. A new public consultation is now underway and Singaporean MP and animal rights activist Lewis Nick is delighted to see the change. I think the overriding most important thing is that it shows the government is listening that many and thousands have spoken up. Government has looked into this policy and is finally reviewing and making some changes. And it shows that, that uh, if we all speak up, things can happen. This has been the Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris. Support comes from ServiceNow the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.